The Minnesota Vikings have brought joy and misery to the Vikings fans for many years. At the Skull Purple Podcast, we just want to see the Vikings party with the Lombardi. Join us for analysis, interviews, laughs, and much more. It's the podcast by Vikings fans for Vikings fans. The Skull Purple Podcast starts now. Here's your host, Carson Schubert. Welcome into the Skull Purple Podcast. We're happy to be joined by Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings on this episode. It's Carson, it's Tony, and Luke, join us here from Locked On Vikings and the Locked On Minnesota Sports Podcast uh, Network as well. Uh, Luke, how are you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Good to talk to you. Chilling, hanging out, watching some Oklahoma offense right now, and uh, gouging my eyes out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not so pretty. Uh, At least not as pretty as it was with Caleb Williams, right? (laughs) so right he was and then he went to usc right yep yeah yep yep potentially the number one overall pick next year so we'll see yeah a long way to go (laughs) yeah that's right luke are you so are you located here uh in uh i know we're gonna talk a lot of vikings are you located in uh minnesota are you elsewhere i'm not trying to out you you could just be elsewhere that's fine no, no, no. I, I live in L.A. Yeah, I've lived okay. here since yeah. 2010. Okay. I grew up in Minnesota. So you're, you're not experiencing second winter like the rest of us then, is what you're saying. No, it's gorgeous out today, actually. Yeah, yeah. I had a chance for work, actually, to be out in San Diego earlier this week, and I declined just because I really wanted to be cold again. So, uh, That's no, good. I'm That's good. You uh, know, I, yeah. I, I do find a nostalgia to it you know when i go home for christmas or something and it's biting cold it's like ah yeah this is it <laughs> you know it is it's like, like the you first take a, a, a sip of a strong whiskey and you're like mm, yeah that hurts good <laughs> yeah you yeah, always liken it to the first chew on like a wintergreen gum you know they just a lot of mint right uh right away right in your face so yeah well that's cool i would just i figured i'd ask because i'm wallowing away right now uh because it's been so cold here and and i just it was 90 degrees a week ago so i just want to complain publicly that's all uh we will never not complain about the weather in the midwest so this is true it's too hot or it's too cold usually very rarely is it anywhere in between so (laughs) but uh glad to have you with us luke uh, and looking forward to talking vikings with you so let's go ahead and just dive right in here Uh, first of all luke could you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into the vikings um blogosphere and uh, podcast world and also uh how you became a vikings fan Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I so grew up in Minnesota. I probably was a Vikings fan before I was a fan of object permanence. Um, watched them my whole life, went to a bunch of games with my dad and all that, had the, that kind of, you know, that that series of memories at the Metrodome a bunch of people my age have. Moved out to L.A., kind of, you know, fell out of all, Minis- all things Minnesota because I was in college and then sort of started watching the team again from afar after college when I suddenly had Sundays off again. Um Around 2016, I met up with a guy named Joe Johnson, rest his soul, who started a website you may have heard of called Purple PTSD uh, and also owned Vikings Territory for a while. Um, He was just starting Purple PTSD, and he was looking for literally anyone who was willing to write for him. And I, I had thoughts. I was posting a bunch on Reddit at the time. It's like, well, I might as well put this on a website that's got like a design to it rather than like Reddit. So, uh, started writing there and then did stuff with him for a couple years. And then I got a call from one David Locke who, uh, in kind of in the middle of the 2018 season, he reached out and said, we're looking for someone to take over lockdown Vikings. Are you interested? And so we worked out a deal. I've been doing lockdown Vikings ever since. And from there, the, the show has just kind of grown and I've grown with it. And David Locke, he is the, or at least he was the voice of the Utah Jazz. Is that correct? 
still is. And the first locked on show was locked on jazz. Uh, and then he realized every team should have a show like this. Let me make a network, hired a bunch of people to do all the NBA shows and then soon expanded to NFL and then MLB. And now we've got hockey and, and college and we've got locked on WNBA. We, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been quite the growth. I remember, I remember when it kind of took off, you know, in the beginning stages too. And yeah, it's been fun to watch the network grow from afar. So very cool. Well, um, you sh shared a little bit about your story. I got to ask now, we haven't done this for a while, Tony. <laughs> we got to start doing this oh, yeah. a little bit more. Who's your all-time favorite Viking? Chris Carter. Easy. So that was the posters up on my wall when I was a kid. I always, I, when I like watched games as a kid, there would be times when I wasn't even watching what I would just watch Chris Carter. Cause I, he was like my hero of heroes. Um, since I did the history doc last year, I did a, a entire comprehensive history of the Vikings seven part documentary series on my Patreon page. Um, Joe cap is up there now. I, I really, I love Joe cap, but I think it's still, there's, there's nothing like the guy you looked, you looked up to as a kid, you know, so it's Chris Carter. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming Luke, uh, you and I must be around the same age then because I also had to fully live and store those 1998 memories, uh, unlike some of the younger <laughs> yeah. Viking fans. Uh, but now Chris right. Carter was phenomenal. Same, same for me. I mean, I suppose it's hard, especially if you were in that era, you know, Chris Carter came first, but then there was the super freak with Randy Moss. So, right. you know, when you're out in the if street, I were about playing five with your years buddies, younger, yeah, if I were about five yeah. years younger, it probably would have been Moss. But I, you know, I, I grew up watching Chris Carter. He was on the Vikings, you know, when I was born. So when I was a little, little, little kid, he was like the guy. And then Moss came around and he was all kinds of fun, but I was already outspoken for. <laughs> sure. So you were, what you're saying is when you were going to go out in the street and play some, you know, maybe three on three football with your buddies, you were, you were practicing that little toe touch on the sideline, that little Chris Carter staple. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I could ever do a toe touch ever once in my life. <laughs> and I definitely cannot today. Oh no, I'd be deceased if I tried to do it today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'd be more it'd be more like a Jim Klein saucer toe touch if I did it today. <laughs> hey, no no Jim Klein saucer slander here. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um but uh yeah, no, Chris fantastic. Um yeah, uh the um, just the story from getting claimed off waivers for like a hundred dollars by the Vikings mm -hmm. back when uh, he came over from Philadelphia is just crazy. Uh, best hundred dollars ever spent. Right. Well, and, and what nobody publicly knew at the time, but teams did was that he was struggling so hard with addiction and it was yeah. on the mm -hmm. cusp of absolutely, you know, spiraling his life into a, into a total tailspin. And, you know, you get the all he does is catch touchdowns. The origin of that line was Buddy Ryan, who was asked, why did you cut this dude? He seems really he was like your best receiver. Why did you just cut this guy and put him on waivers? And he just kind of made up something because he didn't want to tell the media that it, what it was really about. And, you know, he was heartbroken to cut Chris Carter. He loved Chris Carter, but he thought if this dude doesn't get a fresh start, he's not going to make it. So I have to do this. Uh, and that it was like this somber yeah. thing. Uh, the. In Chris Carter's Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame speech, he said, "Thank you, Buddy Ryan, because that is what I needed." Yeah, yeah, I, that's yeah, that's a blessing in in disguise for sure for Chris Carter, Vikings fans as well. Um, but uh, it's it's fun to fun to reminisce on his time with the Vikings. Uh, definitely, definitely one of the greatest Vikings of all time. There's no no question about it. So. Mustache. Um, he had the mustache back when he was in Philadelphia. He was mustached Chris Carter. So you know when he and then he came over to the Vikes, had to get rid of the, the mustache. Yeah, it's it that new life, you know. Great. Get look. rid of that stashed clean look. <laughs> yeah, That's right. That's he did. Right. He did. He had the stash. <laughs> yeah, new look, new, uh, new team, new look. There you go. There you go. There you go. 
All right, Luke. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get into some news here before we get into the draft. Uh, Daniil Hunter, I'm sure you've talked about uh, quite a bit on Locked on Vikings, um, is not attending voluntary team activities here during the month of April. And it sounds like he's unhappy. Not really a surprise with a $4.9 million salary going into this coming season. Um, Tony, uh, let's start with you quick. Any thoughts on Daniil Hunter um, and this? You know, we we talked about this very thing uh, uh, before the news came out. We're like, yeah, do you really think Daniil wants to play on this salary? And uh, no, it is very apparent that it's a no. I mean, it, it, clearly he's sending a message that, no, he does not want to play under his current contract. I think the other aspect of it, too, is – Look, I don't think it's a secret that we're, we're looking to get younger. We're looking to maybe move some known commodities and turn them into either draft capital or younger assets. And I'm not saying that Daniil's old. It's just, in my opinion, I, I think he's really looking for uh, us to either make a commitment or for us to move on and, and what that's going to look like. I still am a firm believer that he could get packaged into some deal uh, that surfaces next week with the draft. Um, I'm not going to say it's for a player. It, it may be for additional capital in the draft. It, it could be a. It could be up, you know, for a player and some draft capital. It just depends on what they're looking at. So, I don't know the non the non commitment from him and the team to me. And I get it's all positioning and 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 uh, some you know everybody's going to position themselves in the media the way they want to portray things but i th i just think it's it's probably a likely scenario that i think that they move on from daniel um i just think at this point it's a it's just a waiting game um and they're not going to tip their hand either way so but that's my take it's been my take since probably the season ended luke how about you i would honest i'd be genuinely stunned knocked out jaw on the floor if Daniel Hunter got traded before June 1st. Uh, his contract currently, because of all the prorated bonus, costs more in 2023 cap than the Vikings have in 2023 cap space to trade him. You would have to cut Dalvin Cook to make room to get rid of Dalvin or to get rid of Daniel Hunter. I don't think you're going through all of that hullabaloo unless you get like multiple firsts or something insane. Um, you're not doing that for a, for a day two pick. You're not going to get rid of guys like that. Um, after June 1st, the contract trades away differently and the dead cap works a little bit differently. Um, and it gets a little bit easier to imagine that. But for those of you who do not have a calendar and maybe are still working on a sundial at home, the draft happens before June 1st. So this cannot happen in the draft. I'm sick of hearing about it. If you want to talk about trading players on draft day, talk about Dalvin Cook. That's an option. Talk about Zadarius Smith. I don't think that's going to happen, but it is, I guess, an option to daydream about. Uh, it is not a thing. With the, I mean, I would be completely floored. Um, further, yeah, he he wants an extension. He wants more money. Fair enough. He should probably be making about twenty mil a year. He made twenty mil last year in take home cash, but most of that was in prorated bonus stuff. Um, and now he's making, he's taking on like what, five and a half this year. It's an insult. So yeah, totally get that. He wouldn't attend also not attending voluntary team activity. They are voluntary. Many right. player, basically every player with an up in the air contract situation is not showing up to these. And these aren't, this isn't camp. This isn't install. This isn't any playbook stuff. This is weightlifting and conditioning and all stuff you can totally do at home. Um, so there, I don't think that there's like a reason to con any concern about him like missing it. If that's any something anybody's thinking about, um, when it gets to mini camp and OTAs and all that stuff, then that, that you can say, ah, oh, but they're missing install and whatever. But when you don't have a for sure contract situation, um, you basically don't have any protection when it, uh, against injury at the team facility. So you could show up and work out with the team. But if you have, you know, if you're under a normal contract, you're just a guy who, you know, still has a couple years left on his deal and you're just kind of in the middle of a contract and you get hurt, you might have injury guarantees. There's stuff worked out in the contract um, and you're not negotiating yet. But if you're in the middle of negotiating a new thing and you get hurt, well, you just now you're just signing a provisional deal again. Uh, yeah. So why would you go 
into the facility. You know, you know, if you get hurt on team property at the facility in real, uh, real activities, there will be provisions in your contract that protect you versus if you get hurt, you know, playing a pickup game in your backyard, then it'll, you'll go on non-football injury and stuff and, and you might lose some money. But in this case, it's like everything is non-football injury because you haven't agreed to any money. So there's no protection in anything. So yeah, Daniil Hunter not attending voluntary. He should not attend voluntary team activities. It would be pretty stupid of him to attend this. And he shouldn't attend OTAs either. If, if a deal isn't yet, worked out it's just not a wise move for him and he should try to secure his own bag for once he signed a whole bunch of really bad deals i think it's time for him to get his yeah 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 i i think it's going to be interesting to see if the vikings are truly committed to him beyond this season um i i don't think they've proven that they are but um but i do think it's um i think it's going to be hard for the Vikings not to broach the subject before training camp without there being some uh, negative connotation with that. Like, like you said, but not showing up for training. It's July camp thing, or, I think it's definitely yeah. a question, but it's a July question. So, so is it Darius Smith? And I don't know what the deal is with Dalvin cook or if, or, or will, I think we'll find out what the deal is with him on the draft. If, if he makes it through the draft as a Viking, I think he's a Viking, but I don't know if that's the case. Um, but so yeah, question the, otherwise these edge rushers, this is a summer thing. Yeah. Question for you on Dalvin there, uh, Luke. So if if the Vikings were to trade him now, could they post June his salary somehow, or is that not how that would work? No. You cannot okay. post June a trade like you post June a cut. Um, you'd have okay. to physically wait till the day. Once, once it is physically past post-June, if they trade him on July 4th, then it does work that same way where a bunch of the dead cap kind of gets held off for a year. Um, mm. But you can't do a trade now for draft picks you use next weekend, but designate the cap to happen a different way. Um, you have to physically wait. Is it, is it, are we at the point right now, gentlemen, where it's like, okay, the draft is only a week away or is it like, Oh, finally, the draft is here. It's been it's been so long. Like I, I don't know. It's kind of a mixed emotion for me because with all the mock drafts that have been going on for months, it's like finally. <laughs> I think it would just. Yeah, it's really going to be nice had, to get, and it's really just going to be the getting clarity. I mean, I, I think we we all try to guess, and of course, you're going to have some more educated opinions than others. But at the end of the day, very rarely. Do we go, oh, well, that guy got it all right. You know, you know, it's it's usually just a mixed bag of some things that go the way we think they're going to go. And then there's always a healthy mix of like, well, that was interesting. So I just think it'll be nice for us to all sit down and see how it all unfolds. I think the biggest question for me is going to be, you know, how all these quarterbacks end up shaking out. I mean, you've got some people that think there are going to be four or five quarterbacks taken in the first round. And then, of course, now this week, you get all the the posturing from all these GMs that also now they're starting to, you know, poison the waters a little bit like, well, maybe there's only going to be like maybe one, two, maybe three quarterbacks taken, you know, it's, and we don't know, you know, there's, but we've seen it happen both ways. Um, it's just going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's always like, uh, you know, it's that holiday that maybe isn't one of the major holidays, but it's still a day off of work. That's how the draft always feels to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are, are you, where are you at with it, Luke? I know you said too much coffee, then, then it depends, but um, <laughs> yeah. are, are you kind of ready for I, it to be done? You know, I could probably use an extra week because I'm trying to cram. To me, it feels like I'm studying for finals because I'm trying to cram as many players in as I can. This is of, of all of the years I've done the draft. Most of the time I have not been really like putting forth my own evaluations. I've been reading draft guides and, you know, reading other people's stuff. And I'm going, you know what? Like Dane Brugler's smarter than me. I'm just going to like pass along what he has to say this year. I'm kind of embracing the risk of being wrong. And I'm just going to say, I'm not scared of this anymore. I'm going to flip on the tape. I'm going to do my best. Um, and I'm trying to do that for as many people as possible. I've probably gotten to about 30 players and 
I my my fear is that I do all of this work and then the Vikings go take someone off the reservation I've never even heard of and I have to go, all right, I'll pull up his, I guess, you know, like I want to know about the guy <laughs> or at least have something that I can say on the day where I go, oh, yeah, I watched this guy. I've got all this information about him. Um, So, you know, I could use another week to get I haven't really watched the D tackles at all. I don't think I'm going to get to him, honestly, which sucks. I could use a week to get to them. Uh, I, I could use a, a little more time to get a little bit more rhythm and stuff. But I also kind of understand, look, this is my first year really doing this seriously. It's going to be bad. I'm going to look back at this on, two, on this in two years and go, Jesus, I was an idiot. And I think you always should be. You always should look back two years ago and say, man, look how much I've learned, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to make sure to hold your feet to the fire then, for sure. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, get me. <laughs> Screenshot my takes. I'm not going to delete any draft tweets. I don't do that. You know, go, go set a reminder two years in the future and say, go look at Luke's draft takes about, you know, Jordan Addison or whatever and see, see how wrong that was. <laughs> I think uh, Luke knows Arif has already done that to him. So <laughs> you're, you're, you, Arif is probably already uh, got multiple takes of Luke bronze ready to come back. Well, yeah, I think uh, he has a concerning amount of my personal information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. The, uh, it's always funny for me. I, I think it is probably for a lot of people that watch the Minnesota football party, the feud that you and Arif have, which, you know, it seems pretty, <laughs> uh, seems like it's pretty not that big of a deal, but you know, I, I think it's mostly fun, but, you guys, it's, uh, it's good to be you guys definitely a Norse play code it well. villain. Yeah, it's good to be a Norse <laughs> code villain. That's, that's right. I'm among good company there. That's right. That's we don't right. need any more Twitter drama this good week. Good company and done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah, there's goodness. There's nothing else going on. Um, well, there you go. Um, let's, let's talk about uh, some news that is actual news and not uh, people speculating things. Uh, this is this has come to fruition. The Vikings agreed to terms with Jawan Williams, cornerback, played for the Patriots. Uh, and from what I've heard, he's kind of a taller guy, I believe. Like, is it six two and six two, six three? And then uh, he, um, but he's not very fast. That's maybe one of the concerning things about his game. But maybe he could be a physical corner. Um, Luke, let's get your thoughts first on the Jawan Williams signing. Yeah, I haven't uh, really gone too deep into him. Uh, I think he's a roster bubble guy. Like, I don't think he's somebody that you need to spill a whole bunch of ink on until he actually makes a team. He in, in training camp last year, he he got hurt, missed most of the year. So he it kind of ended up being one of those guys. I think if you if you listened to Patriots media around the time, they were kind of saying, is this guy going to make the team? And then he got hurt and he's on IR. So it's like, well, whatever, I guess it's moot. Um, but he was felt like he was getting leapfrogged by all of their Joneses. They've got like three Joneses over there in Boston. Yeah. Um, <laughs> None of yeah, which are that, Jerry. <laughs> no, you could say it's a town of Joneses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, they yeah so I, I i don't know really what to make of that you're kind of he did end up i think coming back and playing at the end of the year so it's it's not like a lingering injury thing or anything like that but it's hard i don't really know what to make of his of what we can expect out of him so i'm kind of saying you know put a pin in that and we'll see if he makes the team but yeah tall guy and with brian flores's defense and the way that he does a lot of the um past defense concepts, a lot of the cover one and cover zero stuff. There's a lot of shadowing and a lot of matchups. They, the, the Flores defense wants to dictate the matchups, which is super, probably the key difference between his version of this and Zimmer's version of this, which that's a way closer comparison. The Donatel thing is in a totally different world. Um, but the biggest difference I think is that with Zimmer, it, he was very content to just kind of plop everybody where they go and say offense, throw whatever you want at us. You get to dictate the matchups, which meant if you wanted to put your big guy on Mike Hughes, you kind of got to, you could do that. We, we will, we'll seed that for the sake of like simplicity and stuff. Um, Flores is saying, no, you don't get to do that. I'm putting Juwan Williams on your tall receiver and that's that. And yeah, maybe he's not that, you know, he's on your Mike Williams, your big, tall guy. 
and may, or maybe he goes on tight ends or something. If he's not that fast, maybe you put him on tight ends because he's big enough to hold up to that box out. Maybe that's the the idea here. And I mean, look, Patriots guy Flores. There's there's a fit there. There's a familiarity there, so it so it makes sense. Um, I, I would imagine that's the idea, but we got to make sure this dude can actually play ball first, and that's what camps for. It's not quite the, <laughs> it's not quite the uh, Flores, uh, former Flores, uh, player signing that everybody was hoping for. Uh, you know, you were hoping for <laughs> like the Cameron Sutton or somebody else, and it's like, sure. nope. Uh, here you go, Joan Williams. Come on down. You're the next contestant on the Vikings cornerback yeah. secondary here. Uh, but whatever. Yeah, don't um, don't, but... don't expect it to move any needles, but they still they have six <laughs> people listed as cornerbacks in the building right now. For camp, you need like 11. So 10, yeah. maybe. So four or five guys still left to come. There's a lot more cornerbacks that are going to join this, this organization, be it through the draft or otherwise. So... Don't yeah, expect this yeah. to be like they're they're not trying to sell this as like look guys we fixed it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, definitely won't be putting out any uh, shame tweets uh, to uh, Jawan Williams. <laughs> uh, we saw what happened with KJ Osborne. So <laughs> uh, the old Rick Sosa tweet got uh, got plenty of reactions there but uh tony moving on um to uh, your thoughts on Jawan williams yeah i mean it's it's obvious that we need depth i mean luke you you already i mean kind of interluded to this like we need to, we need to add bodies and not to say that he's just a body i mean i think he's definitely more than that but you know we need to get guys in the building and certainly if they feel like they can get something out of this guy he fits what flores is go going to look to do then great i mean I, I don't think i don't see anything wrong with it it doesn't disappoint me it's not moving the needle uh you know up way up or way down for me um it, but it is nice to see them get a guy that you know has some experience certainly playing in the league and the fact that they have some familiarity with flores i think is is good um it's just going to be really interesting to see what we do at the corner spot because i you know, the 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 fanboy in me with the Vikings, I really want them to make a super sexy move in the first round. But the the logical part of my brain also tells me that we need more capital and there are other positions to fill than trying to move up for a quarterback, which is what's going to get me excited. But logically, I, I, I don't it's just probably not the right move for this team unless there's a guy that they just absolutely like need to have, which is with this quarterback crop, yeah. if it's anybody not named Bryce Young, it kind of makes me a little scared, but um, we'll see. <laughs> Look, if there's a guy, let's say we get a gas mask video, CJ Stroud starts falling, which if you look at the reports, might not feel as weird as it did two weeks ago, whatever. Yeah. But let's say it happens, right? Oh my God, he's falling. Nobody saw this coming. He's he's available at you know at twelve, and they trade up or something like that. Um, and yeah, that means the cornerback room is going to be weird. That means we're real thin at receiver. We're real thin up front on the D line. We've got all these other things. We've got you know basically our entire D line is not under contract beyond this year. Like all kinds of problems. All that stuff feels a lot more minor when you have your quarterback. And yeah, they have their quarterback for 2023. Pretty much no matter what, Kirk Cousins will be the starter. They've already basically confirmed that. Um, but they don't have their quarterback for beyond. And that is a much more pressing. All that other stuff, we can figure it out in free agency. We can just deal with it being a hole this year. And the next year we really go build because now we're sort of gearing up for the new guy to take over. All of that stuff can be figured out. But if you don't have your quarterback, it is all moot. So I am all for a go do something sexy. Let's package some first round picks. Let's go up and get our guy. I think it all just depends on if the guy they love falls or if the guy that's falling. And I do think there will be a QB that is falling if you ask me. Um, but do they like that guy? And if it's not their guy, okay, then we trade back. We Then we start filling those holes. We get a good roster put together because then that means chances are we're drafting a guy in 2024 and we want this roster set up to, to nurture that guy. So, okay, now our, our focus shifts there. Um, look, get a QB this year, fix your roster next year. Fix your roster this year, get a QB next year. Whatever, right? Let's figure it out. Let, let's see how the board falls and see what we like. 
Yeah. GGYG, as your pal Luke Inman would say, go get your guys. Go there get you go. your guys. Absolutely. Um, well, I just got alerted as we were recording this that uh, from my Apple News app that Vikings abruptly disappeared from Greenland in the 15th century. New research may explain why. And <laughs> now we know they're in Minnesota. So there yeah, you was go. The second yeah. half of the NFC Championship? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, you know what it was is they were led by Rick Spielman, so they traded back. So that was yeah. a little... <laughs> Uh, uh, you thought you think spielman traded back a lot mr wall street <laughs> oh he's gonna put it oh, to yeah. Everybody yeah. Has, like there's True. like my, my dad hates it i i, and I love it I, i'll needle him every time i'll be like what do you mean they got so much value <laughs> he goes nuts every time they trade back and quasi is gonna turn that to 11 and it's gonna be so funny to watch all of the like old guys that just like cannot imagine the idea of somebody being taken 20th being better than somebody being taken fifth <laughs> like just cannot figure out that christian derisaw stuff happens like oh they get, yeah. gonna get so mad yeah i'm in on it i i'm okay and especially when you go into a draft with what, what do we have five picks uh so i mean at, at the end of the day if it makes sense to to accumulate capital and you think you can still get players like like i still I think that it falls. I mean, we were just talking about this. Unless there is a guy that they really like that starts to fall into a position where they think they can move up, you know, let, let's just say five, six spots. I'm, I'm just throwing a number out there. Um, I think if it gets to 23, there's so many players out there that would make sense to take that it almost would make sense for them if they've got a trade partner that's relatively close to trade back and just start accumulating some picks. Um, I think in the latter part of the first round and then as you get into the second round, which we currently do not have a second round pick. Um, it, it, there, there are still a lot of players out there at positions of need that should be high up on their draft board. So um, I think, again, unless they go up and do something sexy uh, at the quarterback position, then I, I'm all for them accumulating capital, especially in like the late to early second round, you know, second round into the early part of the third round. I think there's a lot of value there. Over under eight and a half picks. I, I really think they're going to acquire a lot. And That's they, a really good over under. Going to draft five players. They don't have enough to. Oh, they're going to draft so much. <laughs> it's just like it's just like Rick. He was blowing smoke every time the pre-draft uh, press conference. Same thing with Quasi. I think maybe maybe not quite to the level of Rick, but we also. We're used to Rick and, oh, we're getting 20 phone calls or whatever. You know, we're getting all these phone calls. It's like, all right, buddy. Um, I'm but, sure you know, the phone's I, ringing off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, I can't even remember what I was going to say next. But uh, draft speculation is in uh, full swing right now, Luke. Um, and I'm just kind of curious. Um, what is your preference? Uh, I know you said go get your guys kind of a thing, but if let's, let's throw out a couple of scenarios for you. If somehow Bryce Young or CJ Stroud are available at pick number three, and I don't think it'll happen at least for sure. Bryce Young probably is off the board by three, but if there's a chance that that happens, if you're the Vikings, do you, make a call to the Cardinals and give up multiple for try. Yeah. I, I'll give it my best. I don't know if you can, cause I think, you know, Tennessee is also going to be calling and there you don't have to go as far back. So it's going to be easier for them. It's the same way. Like the Vikings lost out on Tristan Wirfs. Um, I think that's, that's been, that's out there now that, that in 2020, they tried to move up for Tristan Wirfs. Uh, if you remember oh, the Bucks man. traded up oh. for Tristan Wirfs one, one spot. And so the, the Vikings had their offer. The Bucks had their offer, but the 49ers decided we'll just take the one where we only have to go back one spot. And then we'll take our guy. I think it was Kinlaw. We'll take our guy. Um, nothing you can do. I did not right? know that. All right. We just didn't yeah. do it. So you can try. Um, hey, hey, worked out okay, right? Because then we they would have traded both first round picks. So they wouldn't have gotten JJ. Um, yeah. 
So you can, we can, we, I, I'll give it my best shot, right? Whatever that, that is. Yeah. This, this year's first, next year's first Dalvin cook and next year's second. I, I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. Let's put a package together. Let's see if they take it, but I wouldn't expect them to take it. I'm not getting my hopes up, but yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Let's go. If it's for Stroud, who's my QB one, who I think the Panthers should take one overall, even though it doesn't look like they're gonna. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I, I love Bryce young. Shut up about the, the height. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think <laughs> I know there's people yeah. that'll disagree with me on that, but he's made he's it this far. I love him too. You know? Absolutely. You know, he's made but it. This I, he's far going to the Panthers. That, that cat's out of the bag. Yeah. 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 I, I think so too. It's unfortunate, but, uh, I think, yeah, you're, you're right on that. Um, but, um, but yeah, if Stroud is available, how, how big are you on Anthony Richardson? Pretty big on him. I, I don't have him above Stroud or Young, like some people do. I think that's a bridge too far because there's assembly required, and I don't really think there's assembly required with those other two. Um, but I do think, like, look, if we're going back three years, or if we're looking back on today, three years from now, and going, yeah, Anthony Richardson turned out to be the best one in the class, I'd be like, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> Could happen. Um, I yeah. think he's a lot more ready and a lot more polished than he's getting credit for though. I think he just because he's played like what 13 games and he's only thrown so many passes and he's, he's, he's young and he's raw and everybody goes, Oh, he's young. He's raw. He's got to learn everything. I don't think he has to learn everything. He's reading the full field. He's his mechanics are really the biggest problem. His feet are very happy and very uncontrolled. Um, and if you can get that to stabilize, which I mean, you can drill that you can, you, you, he can drill that in his backyard. I think that is absolutely something you can learn. Um, and then his accuracy can improve. He can get a little more control over the football and he doesn't have to wing everything with all of his arm strength every single time. I, I give him a year to do that. Honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if it didn't even take a year if, if he was ready by week eight, you know? Um, but you know, give him the time he needs to do that. And I think you've got a heck of a quarterback. Um, yeah, there's misreads out there and, and there's times where you can see how raw he is. Absolutely. Of course. And that puts those other guys above him. Uh, but I, like if the Colts took him fourth overall, I'd be very stoked for the Colts. Um, they just need to find a way to not have to throw him in right away. Cause I do, I do want to get his mechanics stabilized and I don't want him to be working on that with real bullets flying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the way the draft was projected and, and I'm, I'm talking about the, <laughs> you know, the March 1st draft projections, right? So the way too early, you know, draft projections where we had a lot of people saying with, especially with Anthony Richardson, like, eh, maybe he goes like late first round. Maybe it's like early second round. And I remember back then, you know, of course we've been doing this podcast for a while, just like you do your show. And I was saying back then, I'm like, I think I like Anthony Richardson for the Vikings and what a perfect spot because we know he's going to be able to sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year. Now that seems so just good, like yeah. a pipe dream, you know? Maybe, uh, look, he blew up the combine. A lot of people knew he was going to blow up the, blow up the combine. I don't think that that changes information too much. Maybe he did, you know, you had high expectations and now they're a little higher because he's literally like a historic athlete. We've never seen a player like this. I, I actually had somebody who th put him in as a defensive end as at uh, relative athletic score. Like what would his athleticism be like if he were a D end and he would be like a top percentile D end. He's just insane mm -hmm. alien guy. And that guy is going to go pretty high most of the time. But I don't know, man. Like the, sometimes Lamar Jackson fell to 32. Patrick Mahomes fell to 10. You know, Josh Allen fell to, I think, 11. Justin Fields fell. Like sometimes these guys don't get, they, they get just within like striking distance. Is he going to fall to 23? Probably not. But if you look at the draft order, and here's what I've been saying the whole draft. You look at the draft order. First, like 12 picks. The Panthers will take one. The Texans will take one. The Colts will take one. I don't think the Raiders are going to take one. I'm not 100% convinced the Titans are going to take one. All the Titans fans want them to. But I, I, I don't know if, they, if they're really into it at 11. Maybe they, they want to do a tank year and go pick first overall next year. That's kind of they're, they're pulling the, the whole thing apart. I don't know if they want to put a rookie into that situation or who are they in love with. Maybe they aren't in love with Richardson and he's the guy that falls and they go, eh, whatever, we'll take a tackle. Um, so I don't yeah. know. 
suddenly you're sitting at pick 12 and say Houston, you know, picked a QB at two or they traded down and picked a QB or whatever the heck they're doing up there. Um, you're sitting at 12. Anthony Richardson's on the board. And you're going this year's first and next year's first. And I don't know, throw a player in or something or a third round pick or something to sweeten the pot. And they go, all right, yeah, we'll do this. We're sitting at 10. I was just talking to uh, Gino Camilleri who does Locked on Eagles. I was just saying, hey, weird thought. This year's first, next year's first, and Dalvin Cook to go up for 10 for a QB. And he was like, oh, I'm slamming it. So there you go. What if our guys, what if Richardson wow. only has got to do is fall to 10? And then you can just go up and get him. I think it's more possible than you think. And that also precludes the Titans. Now you're, you're jumping the Titans to go get him. And with all of the bluster that the Vikings have been putting out there about, you know, Daniel Jeremiah putting Hendon Hooker to him, um, you know, teams talking about how they're just going to like sit and trade back or saying they're super interested in cornerbacks. And now all this stuff about how maybe CJ Stroud, all of that feels like it is screaming. Hey, Titans. Hey, Titans. Hey, Titans. Nobody's going to jump you. It's cool. No, Vikings, they'll just wait. They'll take Hendon Hooker. Don't even worry about it. They're not going to jump you. We promise. That's uh, feels like what that narrative is screaming. Um, I don't know. That's me reading tea leaves. That's utter total speculation. But that's what it feels like to me. So I don't know. I, I think you, if a quarterback is there at ten, don't touch that dial. I, I think it's it's time to start watching for a purple flash across the bottom of your screen. Could happen. Magic could happen. Gets us excited. Gets us excited. Well, Luke, let's uh, close your time with us here today by talking about some of your favorite draft crushes. We've talked about quarterbacks. If you want to throw in some day two or day three names, you sure can for quarterback. But uh, some of your favorite draft crushes uh, for the Vikings in particular uh, that you've been uh, able to watch film on. Sure. I'm looking at my board right now. I'm looking at guys that I'm like way higher than consensus on. Um, probably the two that I give you are Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. He, he ran in a really weird offense and it limited his route tree because Lane Kiffin did weird stuff because his quarterback was bad. Um, don't let them talk next year. You're going to hear about Jackson dart as like a, Ooh, maybe he's a quarter. Don't let him talk you into it. That dude stinks. Uh, <laughs> he's got to take a big leap forward senior year for, for me to believe in him. Um, and I think that, that a lot of that offense was tailored to like hide his deficiencies. And that meant Jonathan Mingo playing weird tight end stuff and, you know, literally being a sniffer, being a, a, a wing tight end and, and blocking split flow action, like stuff you see tight, just only tight ends do. And they were having their wide receiver do it because he's an insane blocker. He really is a tight end is in the run game. It's like being in 12 personnel without having to admit it. Um, but when you actually gave him a tunnel screen and asked him, you know, can you get down the field? He can turn on the jets. And I think he dogged a lot of his routes because his quarterback can't throw accurately that deep. Um, so he was going 80% to try to maximize the amount of time that he was still within range. So the quarterback had time to make his reads because the quarterback was slow at making his reads. I, I think Jackson dart really forced him to hide his skill set, And I think he's a lot better than he's getting credit for. Um, and then the other guy I'll give you is Dorian Thompson Robinson. I'm really high on him. I, I heard somebody comp him to Tyler Huntley, and I think that that's a really good comp. And I would take Tyler Huntley in the third round. Um, he's going in fifth round, fourth round, sixth round in some places. I think that's ridiculous. I would absolutely take him at the back end of day two. Um, can he be a starter someday? A limited starter. I think his arm is limited, and, and there are certain throws that I just don't think he has the athleticism to make. Um, but... He's reading full field. It's still pick aside reads, a lot like the hand and hooker reads, but it's uh, post snap. He's reading the safety and then choosing a side based on that. So you can really leverage the full field. You can you can live that way. Um, and he, he, that means he'll have to learn a new offense. Like the Chip Kelly offense is not in the NFL. We saw how that went. But yeah. that at least shows the skill set where he can kind of take in, okay, one piece of information, reorient what I'm looking at, new information, make a decision that is all I need to see from him. And I can see that. And then plus, I mean, he, he runs like he's Justin Fields out there. He's an awesome runner. Um, so I, I think that's a guy that if that's your floor, if that's your, Oh no, my QB got hurt and I got to put this guy on the field, you can do a lot worse. And that's why I like the Tyler Huntley idea. Cause I think it evokes the exact right expectation. I would take Tyler Huntley in the third round. I think I'm kind of on an Island there. Well, you're not on an island on this podcast because I was uh, 
championing DTR a few weeks ago. Uh, and go. I mean, like you said, at, at, at the right at the right spot, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying we're taking him at 23. All right. Uh, but I think right. he's a, I think he's a good, I think he's a good value pick. Like you said, if we could pick him up and especially the later rounds, uh, that would be insane. And he'll but, be there at 87. I, I like, I'd be insane to take him and I don't care. I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think people would be upset at Hen and hooker going at 23, just imagine people being upset at Dorian Thompson Robinson going 23. Neither. That would, that's well, a, I a should, lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think either one of those things will happen. I, so I will say, I know, I know I'm probably on the opposite end of you here, Luke, but I am a Hendon hooker fan. Um, I think the production, uh, that he had was fantastic. I know the Mickey mouse offense, Josh Heupel's scheme and all this stuff. Um, but it's, I, I don't know. I, there's just to me, when you play Alabama and you put up the kind of stats that you put up. Uh, to me, I would say Nick Saban would be able to figure out if you were just doing one or two things well and take those things away. And he wasn't able to do that in that game. So, so weird. But uh, that's just my thought. I, I, I know you're kind yeah, of... Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm a hater. And that's okay. I, I'm not, I don't need to try to change. It's the draft. We can <laughs> never H. be that confident, right? Who knows? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Is he really Triple H? Is that his... Uh, no, Is I was just saying H? you're a Hendon Hooker hater. Triple H. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, yeah. Triple like, H. It's, it's the draft. I'm wrong about a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not going to be super... Co- I don't think he's going to work out. You do. That's fine. It's, we, we can just coexist there. Well, I, I do want to talk... That Bama game is so weird. Like, they were playing bizarre split field coverages and if you know the like cover seven rules of nick saban it just means that the safety gets the two a lot and so tennessee put jalen hyatt as the two and had jalen hyatt run against safeties who he is faster than he got five touchdowns that way and there are adjustments that alabama's defense can make that prevent that from happening they can start calling like invert coverages so you have a corner there they can start cover doing more man coverage stuff where you have the safety play more over the top read three to two there's all kinds of other adjustments and bama just did not make them and i feel like that game is tricking people into thinking that jalen hyatt is actually going to be good against nfl wide receivers nah he just outran brian branch and that dude's a safety like he just outran some people and hendon hooker hit some deep balls I don't know. It's such a weird game. It's a fascinating game to talk about and, and and break down too, because what lesson you take out of it, I think says a lot about like what you value and what you like, what's important to you as an, an analyst. It's like a really cool Rorschach test of a game. Like what I take out of it is just going to be different than what you take out of it. I think that's super neat. We'll see if Hendon Hooker works out. I don't think so, but I'm never going to be too cocky about that. Yeah. And he seems like he's passed the tests of character. Seems like he's a great teammate. Oh, for sure. Uh, all those things. So now it's just a matter of if he can perform uh, at the next level. Obviously, the age. I know people are up in arms about that. I'm not as big on that being an issue, but I know some people are. So, um, Well, I just know for me, it's a great litmus test for how old the people are when I make comparisons to Chris Winkie and then they look at me like a deer in headlights. <laughs> that one escapes me. You missed me there. You don't remember Chris Winkie? He was like 40 years old. He was drafted out of Florida State. He went to the Panthers yep, and he wasn't was really 40, but I think he was like 28. He was like a 28-year-old oh. guy that was drafted. Okay. And he Brandon Whedon before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. But I think was, I think Winky brought him to like the NFC championship game. So, was he you know. before Jake DeLome or after Jake DeLome? Oh, he was well before. I think Winky was like when the franchise was in its infancy. I think we're talking like maybe so in the Frank 99, 2000, somewhere in there. Yeah. They yeah. started what, 96? Oh, maybe it was that early. Maybe it was 96. Yeah. The Panthers are as 95. old as me. Oh, okay. Older yeah. Than me by a year. It was, yeah, it was, it was somewhere in the late nineties. I believe winky either that or maybe 2000. So, so Luke, one last question for you before we 
hat off here. I keep saying that. Um, but Brian Branch, I know you mentioned him. What are your thoughts on Brian Branch? Or do you think he's going to be a good pro? I have not researched him as deep as I wish I did. He's one of those guys I really wish I had more time to get to. Um, my understanding on him is he's a safety, but he's a do-it-all safety. You know, some guys are safeties that need to be up top and just need to play your half field thing. And that's how they do. He's somebody that can be in the box that can, you know, rotate down and cover a nickel corner and, or cover a, a slot receiver. Some people even say he can play outside. I haven't seen any film of him doing that, or or I don't know if people are just speculating there. If there actually is film and I just haven't found it, let me know. Uh, but that versatility can be re- almost as useful as somebody who's who's like it's very clear who they are and what they're good at. I think a lot of times with safeties, we get really wrapped up in like, but I don't know where to put him. Put him anywhere. Put him here one play and there the next play. A game is made of many plays. You can put him in lots of places in the same game. And it depends on what the offense does. What do you need out of him today? Do you need a deep defender? Do you need a guy who can cover a big guy who's in the slot? You know, what do you do? That seems like the um, the the point of him. But in terms of how good he is at all of that stuff, I, I, you'll have to ask somebody else. I haven't really done enough research to be able to give you an answer I feel sure. good about. Sure. All right. Well, Luke, uh, we'll let you go. But before we do, please tell the uh, listeners and audience where they can find your work. Uh, You mentioned your Patreon earlier, too. Uh, I haven't yet consumed some of it, but I've seen some of your posts on on Twitter previewing some of them. So I definitely want to check some out uh, when I get some free time. But um, tell our listeners and viewers uh, where they can get all your content. Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can also follow Locked On Vikings at Locked On Vikings on Twitter. My Patreon is patreon.com slash Luke Braun NFL. Uh, you can find draft breakdowns there. Mostly is what I'm putting up right now. Um, some of them are free. The quarterbacks are all free. I think I made Quentin Johnston free too. Um, so you don't even have to sign up to watch what I think about the, the various quarterbacks. Um, you can also for free watch the history documentary I mentioned seven parts average about an hour each. It's like a season of TV. So big, long thing um, about the entire history, all the way from Sid Hartman making phone calls in his office to people saying, Hey, Minnesota would be a good place for football all the way up through the 2021 season, which is this last season before I made it. Um, everything, Herschel Walker trade, Randy Moss, the Metrodome, the Minneapolis miracle, all of it. So Go check all of that stuff out. And I would love it if you joined so you can see all of the other stuff. Yeah. And also on the Minnesota football party with your nemesis, mm-hmm. Arif Hassan and Sam Ekstrom <laughs> and Luke Inman. Yep. That's every Monday and every Thursday on the Locked On Minnesota Sports feed. Yep. Yep. So, all right, Luke. Well, hey, really appreciate you jumping on and, uh, Hopefully uh, we get you on again sometime. And as always, happy to skull skull. There it is.